Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Big day today in Philadelphia. We got game three tonight for the Philadelphia Phillies. Early start tonight, 5 o'clock. Not sure I like that. At least we get to go to bed early. But big game tonight. Big game on Sunday night for our Eagles. Can they bounce back from that tough loss to the New York Jets? Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles have not lost back-to-back games since week six and seven of 2021. So we will see. I want to preview this Eagles-Dolphins game to start us off. At 10.20, we're going to be joined by my man, Mark Farzetta. Everybody loves Farzy. He's going to be joining us. We're going to talk some Phillies, talk some Eagles, and then we'll do a little preview of game three tonight. But I see Peter Doty in the chat. Good morning to you. Rick Jansen, good morning to you. Let's get a little roll call so I know who's here. Hit me up in the chat. Let me know if you're joining us for the live show today. As always, guys, smash that like button, smash that share button, and please engage. I love when you guys comment, and I can hear from all of you. So who else is here besides Peter and Rick? I know it's got to be more than just those two today. But big game on Sunday night. I want to start talking about this Philadelphia Eagles game. And you look at this schedule. I was just talking to my producer, Xander, about this schedule coming up. And Eagles got a tough gauntlet. We knew when they started the season that this was going to be a tough stretch after these first six games. And the Eagles are 5-1, and one, kind of where we thought they would be. Didn't think they would lose to the New York Jets with Zach Wilson. But when you looked at this schedule before the season started, before injuries started to occur, I would have been okay with 5-1. and one. But now the schedule starts to get tough. And I want to get into that, and we'll talk about the Dolphins. But first, let's see. JM, good morning to you. Bobby Murphy, I know a few people that are pissed just getting off of work. Damn, long night, but good to see you, Bobby. Farzy season, Steve says. That's right, Farzy. We know how much he loves our fight and fill, so he'll be joining us. Miko, go Birds, Kevin Savard, good to see you here as well, guys. So always appreciate the support. I really look forward to this hour every single day getting to talk Philly sports with you guys. So appreciate all of you. But you look at this schedule. Eagles are sitting here 5-1. and one, And now things get really, really tough. Gorby checking in from Ireland. Love it. Top of the morning to you. But you got the Miami Dolphins this Sunday night. Then they got to go to Washington. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to definitely be seeking revenge in that game, even though they did beat Washington, weren't happy with the way that game unfolded. But then after that, man, does this schedule get tough. The Dallas Cowboys in week nine, 
Then the Eagles get a bye. Coming off the bye, they play Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. And when I first saw the schedule, I said, oh, great. Eagles have a bye right before that Chiefs game. Well, so do the Kansas City Chiefs. And you guys know how good Andy Reid has been throughout his career coming off of a bye. So no break there for the Eagles having their bye before that game. And it's at Arrowhead. Tough, tough game for the Eagles on a Monday night. They then come back on a short week to play the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills, I'm not that sold on them this year. They've played some up and down, barely beat the New York Giants, but not going to be an easy game. And then week 13 could be the deciding factor for home field advantage throughout the playoffs against this San Francisco 49ers team. And you know the 49ers will be up for that game, but so will the Eagles. And thankfully, it's here at the link. Then they have to go on the road against the Cowboys, on the road against the Seahawks. And then they end the season with hopefully three relatively easy games, Giants, Cardinals, and then at the Giants. But things don't get easy. And like I said, the Eagles haven't lost back-to-back games since week six and seven of 2021. So this week's a big one. Let's see how the Eagles respond to adversity. They had their first loss. They're saying all the right things. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Nick Sirianni. You have to grow from these losses. Well, let's see what they do. But it's not going to be easy, and not only because of this Dolphins team, which we'll talk about, but damn, are those injuries piling up. Those injuries are piling up. And WCBJJ, I see you. Good morning to you. Kevin Savard, yes, Andy schemes up every every time he has a bye. That's right. Rick Jansen, I worry about OC. That's the problem. We'll talk about it. But let's look at these injuries, guys, because it, it I, this injury report is just wild to me. I, I shared it on my Instagram story last night, at Legal Hands of the Face. If you're not already following, be sure to. And be sure to follow me on Twitter as well, at Bill Calarulo, posting daily content on all those platforms. But you look at the Wednesday report, and this is a little bit estimated because it was, it was a walkthrough. But Reed Blankenship doesn't practice. Bradley Roby doesn't practice. Darius Slay is a limited participant. You can't beat this Dolphins team if we don't have Reed Blankenship and Darius Slay in that secondary. Can't do it. That Miami Dolphins offense is way too good. We need at least one of those guys back. I think we need both of those guys back, but you need at least Darius Slay or Reed Blankenship to win this football game. And you have no Bradley Roby who just got here. Now, thankfully, Sidney Brown says he's ready to go. He was a full participant. And Eli Ricks with his knee was a full participant. But these guys are rookies. I don't think we can rest all of our hopes against the Miami Dolphins on those two young players. We need Slay. We need Blankenship. We need these guys back. You're already out Justin Evans. He's on IR. You guys know how I feel if you follow the show about Terrell Edmonds. I don't think he's very good back there at safety. But let's hope these guys can heal up by Sunday night because all I just mentioned was the secondary. Let's talk about the rest of the damn team. Jalen Carter, limited participant with his ankle. 
You need Jalen Carter this week. This Philadelphia Eagles defense has to be able to create interior pressure on Tua and that Dolphins offensive line. You have to be able to disrupt things from the interior. Let's shoot the shit. Good morning to the best show on Jacob. I appreciate that, man. I really do. But you have to be able to create interior pressure. Jalen Carter needs to be a big part of this game. He was limited. So we'll see if he's able to play. And then you flip over to the offensive side of the ball. We all knew Lane Johnson was going to be battling with that ankle, whether or not he could play. On my legal hands to the face show, I had Dr. Chris Radcliffe on. He said he'd be shocked if Lane Johnson plays this week. I know there's been some reports that he's looking good, that he may play on Sunday night. According to Dr. Radcliffe, he would be shocked if Lane Johnson's able to play. So now you're out the best right tackle in the NFL. But one of the surprising things to me was Devontae Smith does not practice yesterday with a hamstring injury. Could be a little telling on why they made the move when they did to bring in Julio Jones. When when we first saw the reports of Julio Jones, a lot of people thought, as did I, this was just a depth move with Quez being on IR, them looking to maybe upgrade their wide receiver three position. But now Devontae out with a hamstring. This is already a tough game. If the Eagles were 100% healthy, this is a tough game. And we have half the defense injured and two of our best players on offense in Lane Johnson and Devontae Smith. So this is not going to be an easy game for this Philadelphia Eagles team. And let's take a look at this Miami Dolphins offense. And it's not all negative, guys. So I'm going to go through where they rank in the NFL, but then I'll give you a little bit of optimism. What's up, Chuck Hutton? I appreciate you too, man. Who else just said they were late getting to the show? Adrian Johnson, preach on. Appreciate you. But let's take a look at this Miami Dolphins offense. And I'll give you optimism in a second. Number one in the NFL, averaging 499 yards per game. Interestingly, the Philadelphia Eagles are number two in the NFL on offense. But they're averaging 395 yards per game. They are 100 yards less than the Miami Dolphins. And that's the difference between one and two. Now, I know that game against the Broncos skews these numbers a little bit. Putting up 70 points and 700 yards. Still crazy to me that they put up that many damn yards. 762 yards against the Denver Broncos. I think that may be more impressive than the 70 damn points. 762 yards. They put up 350 rushing yards against the Denver Broncos. Ridiculous. But even if you remove that game, this Dolphins offense is still going to be at the top of every category. But they're number one in the NFL, 499 yards per game. Number one in the NFL, 37 points per game. Number one in passing yards at 317. Number one in rushing yards at 182. Number one in yards per play at eight yards a play. Number one in the red zone at 81%. 
And we talk about how this Eagles defense has to be able to create pressure on Tua. They have to get sacks on Tua. Well, the Dolphins are number two in the NFL when it comes to giving up sacks. They've only given up six sacks so far this season. A really impressive offense when you look at the stats. Really impressive. And one of the major concerns for me is I think the Eagles will be able to stop the run. No one's been able to run against this Philadelphia Eagles team. They're number two in the NFL, only giving up 66 yards a game. But what concerns me is their passing defense. They're 20th in the league, giving up 232 yards per game. And the only reason why the numbers are as good as they are is because the Eagles completely shut down Zach Wilson and Baker Mayfield. But you look at the other quarterbacks, and these guys don't have anywhere near the offensive power that the Dolphins have. Mac Jones going for over 300 yards. Kirk Cousins, he's got weapons, over 300 yards. Sam Howell has a game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So that is what I find the most concerning, and our secondary's banged up. So I just don't see how our secondary is going to be able to hold up against Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And it's going to be up to that defensive line to get sacks on a team that really doesn't give up a lot of sacks. But I promised you guys some optimism, so I'm going to give it to you. We talked a little bit yesterday. Somebody commented in the chat, it may have been you, JM, about look at the teams that the Dolphins have beat. Now, the Dolphins are 5-1 and one coming into this game. They did lose to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills shut them down. But let's look at the five teams they've beat. And I'm going to go deeper than just the records. But the records of the five teams that this Dolphins team has beat are 5-24. and 24. The five teams that they have beat stink. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers, the New England Patriots, the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and the Carolina Panthers. But let's go even deeper because it's not just the record. You look, I just gave you all these numbers about number one, number one, number one on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. Four of the five teams that this Dolphins team has beaten are in the bottom third of the NFL when it comes to total defense. The Los Angeles Chargers, 31st in the league in total yards against. The Denver Broncos, 32nd in the league in total yards against. The New York Giants, 27th in the league in total yards against. And the Carolina Panthers, 19th in the league in total yards against. The only team they beat that has a top 10 defense when it comes to total yards against was the New England Patriots. And the Patriots held them to 24 points. I think if this Philadelphia Eagles defense was able to hold the Dolphins to 24 points, Eagles win the game. Eagles win that game. And JM saying that Miami's passing attack was shut down by New England and Buffalo. And he's not wrong. You look at the New England game, Miami only had 244 yards passing. And that's a team that's averaging 317 yards a game. 
New England held them to 244. You look at what they did against the Buffalo Bills, 251 yards passing. So when they've played good defenses, they have not had a lot of passing yards. Really good point, JM. Really good point. But I just talked about how I think the key to the game from the defensive side of the ball is going to be able to generate pressure on Tua, to try to get sacks on Tua. But that the Dolphins don't give up a lot of sacks. They're number two in the NFL in giving up sacks. Well, more room for optimism here, guys. Because four of the five teams that the Dolphins have beaten are in the bottom of the league when it comes to generating sacks. They've beaten the Giants 32nd in the NFL for sacks. They beat the Carolina Panthers, tied for 21st in the league for sacks. The Denver Broncos, 21st in the league for sacks. And the New England Patriots, only 16th in sacks. And you look at the two teams they've played who can get after the quarterback, the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, what did those guys do? Buffalo's defense, four sacks on Tua. Los Angeles Chargers, game one, didn't have any sacks. But sometimes game one can be a little little bit of an outlier. But there is room for optimism here. This Dolphins offense, has, as dominant as they have been, they're doing it against subpar teams. Subpar defenses. And the Eagles defense, as shaky as they have been against the pass, are number nine in the NFL giving up only 298 yards per game. But, again, none of this is going to matter if we can't get some of our defensive players back on the field. And I didn't even mention Milton Williams was also a limited participant. We need our defensive tackles healthy for this game. We have to be able to stop the run, and we have to be able to generate interior pressure. But, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. I want to get Mark Farzetta's opinions about this Sunday night game against the Eagles and the Dolphins. And, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about our fight in Phils because we all know how much Farzy loves our Phillies. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. field of life. 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Welcome back to the Philly Sports Power Hour. We are now joined by my man, the one and only Mark Farzetta. What's going on, Farzy? Welcome back, Bill. How you doing, my friend? Nice to see you. It is so good to be back, Farzy. Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> what a what a time! Yeah, the, the game you the game you missed, quote unquote, was uh, the, uh, the 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 Jets game, obviously here, where it was an all out brawl on post game. It was like in one corner, Mike Misnelli, another corner was Seth Joyner, another corner. Actually, Seth and uh, and Derek were in the were in the same corner, and then Mikey Miss was left there alone in another corner. I had to come in and settle the score there, man. It was like a Jalen Hurts blame game. Of like who gets more blame for the loss, Bill and uh, Brian Johnson. It was it was an epic battle royale, and then I I came running in there like uh, what is it WrestleMania the Royal Rumble Royal Rumble Royal yeah. Rumble, and I came running in there. You know what I mean? Um, it was everything but the uh, tidy whities away from the Royal Rumble, man. It was quite the party. Yeah. First of all, I was in hell. On, <laughs> I mean, my kids had a blast. I don't want to complain too much. They love it. <laughs> we were on a Disney cruise, but it was, you know, crowded and you're waiting in lines and you're fighting to see characters. All while I'm thinking to myself, man, I'd love to hear what is going on in the green room at the Ocean Casino <laughs> with Farzy and Seth Joyner and Derek Gunn. And I missed it all, man, but I am happy to be back. I thought, okay, this is a good week to miss because Eagles aren't going to lose to the New York Jets and Zach Wilson. But hey, listen, my, my, our viewers yelled at me yesterday because I wasn't here Monday, Tuesday. So yesterday I came on the show and I wanted to vent and get all my anger out. And they're like, hey, we're trying to move on from the game. We're done. <laughs> so, no, man. No, it lingers. It lingers. I, and I'll tell you this. And, and, and perhaps perhaps I'm crazy. Perhaps I'm a bit of a stick in the mud. But the Kelly Green thing, for me, I really wanted to enjoy – I really wanted to bask in it all week. When I looked at the schedule, I'm like, oh, leading up to Dolphins. Everything's going to be Kelly Green. It's going to be so beautiful to see all the Kelly Green. I, I don't I don't care anymore. I don't care. I'll care 
when they run out of the tunnel and the Kelly Green, I'll be like, okay, that's pretty sweet. I love it. But like everything coming out in Kelly Green, I'm like, stop it. I'm still on the Jets loss. And now I'm looking at this Miami Dolphins game. Like it's one, oh God, it's one hell of a matchup here. And I, I just hope the Eagles pull it out, man. I am not in a good place right now. Well, the only thing that's saving us, and we'll talk about that later, is our fight and fills, man, because they're making us feel real good. <laughs> Before we get into that, let's stick on this this Eagles theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is going on with these injuries, Farzi? Half the defense is out. How do they overcome this? Are you hearing anything about who may play in this game? What do we got going on on this defensive side of the football? Uh, all right. Here is the easiest way to, to sum this up. As far as who's going to play, I think Lane Johnson is going to play. I think Jalen Carter is going to play. I think Darius Slay is going to play. And those are some big names right there for you. However, uh, to sum it up, I'm going to sum it up in two words. One name, two words, Josiah Scott. The fact that they had to go back to the Jos Josiah Scott train is horrifying to me. This is a guy that came in last year. We all remember the Cowboys game. We all remember him filling in in Dallas for Avante Maddox and was terrible, so much so that Josh Job all of a sudden looked like a shiny light, you know, at the end of the tunnel there. But the fact that they got to go back to the Josiah Scott train is horrifying to me. That is not a good sign, obviously, for this game. However, I do think you're going to have, like I said, Slay. Obviously, you're going to have Bradbury back there. Don't know about Reed Blankenship yet, uh, uh, yet, and his rib injury, so that's scary as well. And you're going up against, as we already know, the number one offense in the NFL. You can talk about all the numbers that surround it, but the bottom line is 37.2 points per game is insane. Number one in passing, number one in rushing. They're just incredible in those categories. And the fact that they get rid of the ball faster than just about everybody in the NFL is crazy. The I heard you talking about the pressure rates and all that stuff when it came to uh, – to attack of Aloha, but the lowest pressured quarterback in the NFL, the lowest pressured quarterback in the NFL, you're going to need your secondary on top of their game, healthy, not just healthy, but on top of their game. And then you're going to need a defensive line, not just healthy, but also on top of their game. So this is the best matchup. This is the, the way I described it before. This is the game that we've been talking about all year, not necessarily the Dolphins, but the game like this, like you're, you're not going to be able to go two for six in the red zone against the upper echelon teams. Well, there's no more upper echelon team right now than the Miami Dolphins. So this is a test of tests that they've been playing there to this point their entire season for. Yeah, the, the one thing you just mentioned about going two of six in the red zone, although the Eagles offense has been bad, 23rd in the NFL, yeah. Miami's defense in the red zone is also pretty bad, 26th in the NFL. So maybe that's one positive that we can take here. Yeah. Yeah, look, Tua, Hill, Waddle, Mostert. Hey, how about Raheem Mostert used to be on the Philadelphia Eagles? Actually, we're the first <laughs> to sign him. Yes, yeah. But I mean, he bounced around, so you can't be mad at the Eagles for passing on him because a lot of teams had him, cut him. He finally lands in San Francisco, has a good couple years there, and then the Dolphins bring him back because the Dolphins had him before too and really didn't give him any opportunity. But let's talk about Tua for a second. You know there's going to be some storylines on Sunday Night Football for sure about how he took Jalen Hurts' job at halftime in the national championship game. Knowing Jalen, he's probably not going to say much about it, but we know how much of a competitor he is. You think this has him a little bit more fired up for Sunday night? Definitely. I mean, think about, I mean, think about anybody – in your life as a uh, as a college athlete, Bill Calarulo, let's not leave that out of the conversation. Your life, just think about anyone 
that did your job, anyone that came in after you and did your job, maybe took your job, anybody that came in after you, I don't care if you're besties with that person. I don't care if you have the utmost respect for that person. Anytime that happens at any level in any walk of life, if you got any moxie about you whatsoever, which Jalen Hurts obviously has, you're coming into this game looking to beat that person. You're coming into this game still in the back of your mind, even though you've been an MVP candidate, even though you've already played in the Super Bowl, all that stuff, even if you've already been a Maxwell player of the year in the NFL and Jalen Hurts, you still want to go get Tua. You still want to go get Tua. You want to beat him. You want to beat him on your own turf, which is going to have the opportunity to do so on Sunday night. It's still very much a storyline. They both might talk right now about how they're still buddies. They're not texting all the time. They're not on the phone all the time with one another, but they're still friends. They still want to wish each other luck before the game. Tua was saving as much yesterday. Uh, Jalen said something similar as well. It's game week. There'll be time for that, maybe before the game, maybe after the game. But the bottom line is this. You have a guy in Jalen Hurts that is an ultimate competitor. Nothing else can be said about this guy. He wants to go out there, and you think he wants to lose? You think he wants to do anything that would make him uh, less likely to win this game? This is a game that is absolutely circled on Jalen Hurts' calendar to go out there and beat not just the 5-1, and one, the fellow 5-1 and one Miami Dolphins, but beat Tua Tagovailoa in this game. Yeah, and the one thing you didn't mention is they're also coming off a bad damn loss. So – there's a lot the Eagles, of things. Yeah. There's a lot of things to be positive about when you're talking about the Jalen Hurts-led Eagles. Hey, we've seen what Hurts and Sirianni have done in the face of adversity throughout their stint together. They seem to always rise to the occasion. They haven't lost back-to-back games with Jalen since Week Six and Seven of 2021. It's Kelly Green Night. It's Tua. It's the five and one Dolphins. But with all that being said. It's still a really tough matchup, man. No, <laughs> it's, it's it's horrifying. A really tough matchup. It really, think about this. You want to go into this with a banged up secondary? <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want any part of that. That's why. Like, look, I'm gonna uh, spoiler alert for you. The only way the Eagles win this game is if their pass rush is getting home. It's the only way they win this game. The only game that the uh, the Dolphins lost this year was a loss to the Bills, where the Bills were able to get after Tua, and that also was a road game in Buffalo. So that's the only way. If you have Jalen Carter and, and Fletcher Cox and Joshua, like if if Hassan Reddick wasn't as red hot as he has been, my confidence level would be zero instead of maybe like 2% more that the Eagles actually win this game. Hassan Reddick being as hot as he is, being able to pat, uh, rust the pasture with two good hands now, one not being in a cast, with him having five and a half sacks over his last three games, we all don't know the numbers by now, and his speed – and his strength and his quickness with not just his feet but his hands, that gives me a lot more confidence than originally thought about when it came to this game and whether or not Hassan Reddick was going to have a big impact. Him, Jalen Carter hopefully being healthy, and your linebackers. Sean Desai, this is the game. You want to talk about that word palpable? You want to talk about that word uh, palpable where you said that you want this defense for other offenses to feel it? You want to reiterate it like you did this week when you talked about how you know strength can push around speed. Strength and power can beat up speed and make speed a little bit slower. This is the opportunity to prove that true. Brandon Graham backed up those words in the in the um, in the locker room when he was asked about it earlier in the week. This is an opportunity to prove those words true by your defensive coordinator. And I truly believe, other than some kind of forty-eight to forty-five game, it's the only way the Eagles are going to win this game. Other than some shootout where maybe they have the ball last. This is the game where the Eagles can prove just how good their defense can be and palpable they could be also. 
Yeah, for sure. And I see in the chat people are talking about how Eagles defense needs to be able to create turnovers. But sure. one thing about this Dolphins offense, as good as they've been, they are 20th in the NFL, turning the ball over nine times. So that's a possibility that this Eagles defense can create some turnovers. But you mentioned the potential of it being a shootout. Let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball for a second. Everybody's excited. The Eagles sign Julio Jones. Now, I did a video on my Instagram yesterday, and some people called me a Debbie Downer because I said, hey, guys, look, calm down. It's not the Julio Jones that you're used to seeing for the Atlanta Falcons. He hasn't played more than 10 games since 2019. I still like the move. I think it was a low-risk move. You bring in a veteran wide receiver. He may have a nice game here or there, but I really don't expect him to do a ton for this Eagles offense. But what's Farzee's take on the Julio Jones signing? I, I, I'm surprised to hear that uh, that your audience was was saying, uh, you know, this is great. And this is all because my reaction, and I thought a lot of other a lot of other people's reaction to it was uh, when they saw it on their phone, they went, "Huh." Like they were confused, but it wasn't like, oh my God, yeah. Like this isn't the guy that was lighting up your fantasy football roster in 2016. He's not that guy anymore. He hasn't been that guy for more than a hot minute in the NFL. So it was like, huh? Uh red zone, I guess. Like that's that really the only thing. And I think some of this stuff was taken out of context. People talking about the quote he had yesterday about I'm here to dominate. Let's not get it twisted. I'm here to dominate. He's here to dominate as a Three and a half wide receiver. He's not even a third. He's not a fourth. A three and a half wide receiver right now. When Nick Sirianni is asked about it openly yesterday in his press conference, the only other wide receiver that he mentioned was Alameda Zacchaeus. He didn't mention A.J. Brown. He didn't mention Devontae Smith. He mentioned Alameda Zacchaeus. So you're competing right now to be the third wide receiver. That is everything you need to know in a nutshell about where he ranks in this wide receiver core. He's not going to take reps away from A.J. Brown. He's not taking reps away from Devontae Smith. He is strictly going to be a third down and red zone target for Jalen Hurts. And anything the Eagles could do right now to help them in the red zone, I am A-O-A-O-K with as far as that goes. So nice when it comes to I like that. Yeah, I like yeah, little, little Phillies fr- preview yeah, there. I like yeah, it. Uh, foreshadowing. Anyway, uh, but when it comes to when it comes, I'm an idiot. Sorry. When it comes to uh when it comes to uh, Julio Jones, I think it's a good signing. What can what can be worse? All right. If you mean to tell me in week uh, week five, you have Quez Watkins on your roster, and then you don't, but now you have Julio Jones, I'm happy. So I'm going to live with this. And again, on that note of I'm going to dominate, he's going to dominate in the role, whatever role that is, but it's not going to be above a third wide receiver that the Eagles are going to give him. Red zone and third down target for Jalen, simple as that. Yeah, and I expect Julio Jones. He's obviously, we talk about how much of a competitor Jalen Hurts is. Julio Jones is as well. There's a reason why the guy has over 900 catches and 13,000 yards in his career. So I do expect him to come in with that mindset that he wants to dominate. That's up here. But physically, we just haven't seen him be the same guy as he's gotten older and and his body is worn down. Yeah. But we will see. Do you think – because I first – when saw the news, thought the same thing. He's coming in as, like you said, a wide receiver three and a half. But then Devontae Smith doesn't practice yesterday with his hamstring. If Devontae Smith doesn't play, does Julio Jones play a lot bigger of a role on Sunday night? I I don't think he plays a lot bigger of a role. But, yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying that if you're on this roster, and you would say the same thing about Quez Watkins, you would say the same thing about uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, that, yeah, if you have – 
one or two go down, then three and four have to step up into a bigger role. That's not going to be 10 targets. It's going to be probably four or five as opposed to two or three. But yeah, it's going to be a bigger role. It's not going to be a huge role for, for two reasons. One, 34 years old, a lot of mile, miles, good miles on him, but a lot of miles on him. Uh, and and a guy that's been out of the out of the league for a minute here, so they got to play him into shape. I think he still has a knack for getting open. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni talked about the you know, Nick Sirianni did talk about the explosion there, so I think that's still going to be there for him. But he's not going to have the explosion off the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to have that vertical um, explosion to be able to go up and win jump balls. You're talking about a six three six four target there, so I think you're talking about a guy that still will have a knack for getting open, and also won't be afraid to play with the hands as well being able to get those slight push-offs that the veterans know how to get away with in those uh, clutch situations when you talk about the third down conversion and you also talk about the red zone. Yeah, and he's a nice veteran voice in that wide receiver room because as good as A.J. Brown is and Devontae Smith is, they're still young guys. Yeah. So it's nice to have a little bit of veteran leadership there. But we talked about some of the people's responses when they saw it. What a lot of people did say to me on Instagram was, can he play safety? Can he play corner? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because I still think that you're going to see Howie Roseman. He has to. Josiah Scott can't be the final piece of the puzzle here. I think they have to do something to help out that secondary. Do you agree that Howie's probably not done cooking? Uh, yeah, no way he's done cooking. And let's not forget, they did just re-sign Mario Goodrich to the uh, practice squad. So there's some depth right there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Howie's done. I think there's one more move out there. I don't think how I don't think Julio Jones is Howie's last uh, last card to deal here. I think that they're – I mean, look, and all you had to do was sign him. It wasn't like you have to give up anything. So I think there's something else that Howie's going to do to help bolster this secondary, and I think it's going to be, you know, obviously by the trade deadline, but I think it's going to be in the not-too-distant future. I don't think it happens by this Dolphins game, obviously, but I think it happens in the very near future. All right, before we switch gears and move over to our fight and fills, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate your level of concern right now with this Philadelphia Eagles team after that Jets loss? Level of concern if okay, so I had them as a Super Bowl contender, I still have them as a Super Bowl contender. I had Jalen Hurts as a MVP candidate, I still have Jalen Hurts as an MVP candidate. I am not like people talk about some bandwagon. Forget about a bandwagon, forget about any fandom. Just try to look at it objectively. You're really going to let one bad game one bad game. And it wasn't even a bad game by Jalen Hurts in and of itself. It was You had, a, you had drop passes by Devontae Smith. You had uh, a, a, a completion that was put on the hip there of Dallas Goddard that he couldn't corral and take the rest, you know, take for even a first down or a couple of yards. It resulted in a turnover. Then he throws a second interception uh, while he's being hit. And then the third interception, I, I, I pointed out on uh, uh, the postgame show, as the game went on, the interceptions got progressively worse. Like, you know, one was like, okay, it's kind of on the wide receiver. It's kind of on Dallas Goddard, the tight end. That one, he's getting hit while he throws. Okay, maybe he should have eaten it, but still got hit while he throws. And then the third one was just god-awful, stupid. In any way you look at it, the horrible, most horrible throw, most horrible decision you could have made in that situation. Uh, and then also you had the turnover by DeAndre Swift. So you had a lot of things go wrong for you, missed field goal. All of it wasn't on Jalen Hurts, but it was the first time that we saw the Eagles lose where you looked at Jalen Hurts and said, yep, you were part of the problem. When you look at that game against the Commanders last year, the Eagles lost at home. Jalen Hurts was not part of the problem. Jalen Hurts did everything possible to put his team in a position to win that game. You had the, the Quez fumble. You had another fumble by Dallas Goddard. There was should have been a penalty on that play as well, but it wasn't ruled that way, so it went the other way. 
You have continuously seen Jalen Hurts be one of the best players and never a reason the Eagles lost. This was a game where you saw him be at least one of the reasons as to why they lost. I don't think we're going to see too many of those instances with Jalen Hurts. I, I do not have a panic button that I'm hitting about him. I don't have a panic button that I'm hitting about this team. If they do get healthy, I expect them to be a Super Bowl contender. I do expect them to get healthy, so I still expect them to be a Super Bowl contender. And hopefully we're talking about a win over the Dolphins come uh, you know early Monday morning uh, in the postgame show. And we're talking about now everyone's fears being pushed aside as they have beat one of the best teams, if not the best team in the AFC. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears, Farsi, let's hope. <laughs> I, I will say this before we move on. I agree with everything you said. I still see Jalen Hurts as an MVP caliber quarterback. I still think this team is a Super Bowl contender. Where my level of concern was raised really for the first time was in Brian Johnson oh. as, as a play caller. Because I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt the first few weeks of the season. Never called plays in the NFL before. So I knew he needed to kind of find his way. But in this game, only giving your running backs 10 carries before the final drive where you're trying to run out the clock – against one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. And I talked about it yesterday. You looked at the, the, the three losses that the Jets had. The opposing offenses ran the ball over 35 times. In the three wins now that the Jets had, the opposing offenses only ran the ball 22 times, and that's what the Eagles did. So that frustrated me from a play-calling perspective, and I'm just that's where my level of concern now is. Can Brian Johnson get this team to where they need to be if he's calling the plays? And, and we yeah. will see. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I said going into the season, the two biggest question marks have names, and their names are Sean Desai and Brian Johnson. Those are the two biggest question marks going into the season. Sean Desai has shown me that he could be a very good defensive play caller, a very good defensive coordinator in general. Brian Johnson has yet to prove to me over a, any amount of sustained a sustained period of time that he could be that play caller. We've seen flashes of good play calls, for instance, the A.J. Brown Fake screen that was able to take it for a touchdown against the Rams, I think it was. Great, uh, yeah, great, great call. We saw kind of the best and worst, I thought, in Brian Johnson in that game. And then we saw the second half adjustments for Sean Desai, so his story continues in a positive light. The thing that is interesting, though, if DeAndre Swift doesn't fumble that ball, if Jalen Hurts doesn't get credited with three interceptions, I doubt we're harping on the play calling as much. The thing that does stick out above all else that doesn't take turnovers or bad throws or fumbles to to figure out is you got to be able to run the ball. And it bothers the hell out of me that after not barely what did he get one carry in week one for DeAndre Swift, he went on for the next three weeks to become the leading rusher, or excuse me, second leading rusher behind only Christian McCaffrey in the NFL. And then all of a sudden he doesn't touch the ball anymore. Look, I I one thing, one thing drives me more crazy that coaches say, more so than you know, my responsibility, better position to make plays, all that stuff. One thing drives me more crazy than that is when the play caller says screens or throws to the flat are like runs. See, the thing is here, fella, they're not. They might be like them, but they're not. It reminds me of the conversation about RPOs. Well, we run the ball through our RPOs, and sometimes the option is not to run, it's to pass. Well, they call a damn run play. If you want to give the ball to your running back, it's really tricky. You, you hand the ball to the running back, and then they run with it. And it's amazing sometimes how that can work. And this offensive line, with or, with or without Lane Johnson, you can still run it to the other side of the field. I still would rather, if you're going to have a guy like Jack Driscoll make the start there, I'm sure he'd rather run block than pass block in this situation because you have the thud and done. 
just give the ball to DeAndre Swift. Let him be that playmaker as a runner. Don't always, yes, put him in space sometimes. But if that's not working for you either, you got to be able to give him the ball on the ground and let him run with it. I agree, 100%. And just looking at the chat, sports on 88, they ran 14 times. They had only given the running backs 10 carries before the second to the last drive when they were trying to run out the clock a little bit. So 10 carries throughout almost four quarters of that game is unacceptable. And the Philadelphia Phillies in game two had just as many runs as DeAndre Swift had in the Eagles game against the Jets. That's unacceptable, but let's talk about our fight in Phils, man. Have you – look, you've been around. You were here for the 08 and 09 teams. This Philadelphia Phillies team, man, have you ever seen a team doing what this roster and this lineup is doing for the Fightings? Uh, I love the idea that every night there's a new historical number surrounding the Phillies, whether it's uh, Kyle Schwarber and, uh, you know, left-handed home runs, same as Reggie Jackson now in a postseason. That's unbelievable. When you talk about run differential that hasn't been done since 2017 in the Red Sox, it's absolutely insane. When you talk about uh, Nick Castellanos getting as many home runs in a three-game span as Reggie Jackson did in 1977, that is mind-blowing. I love watching this team. They've been doing it with their arms. They've been doing it with their bats. They've been doing it in the field, other than Trey Turner. Uh, but uh, he's been doing it great at the plate, as we know. I am just mesmerized by this team. But above all else, I, I, nothing beats the, the, the team playing great. And the team playing great obviously feeds the crowd. But good God, does this crowd feed the team as well. I, I can't Even in 2008, I think because there was a sense of like unknowing that Phillies had just gotten swept the previous year out of the playoffs in 07 by the Rockies. We really weren't sure what we had in the Phillies that year in 08. But this year, it seems like the regular season was just a warm-up to this. The regular season was just an extended preseason for postseason baseball. And yes, if you got the number one wild card, great. If you got the third wild card, fine, whatever. You did the same thing last year, made it to the World Series. But this year, it just seems like everyone was anticipating this moment. And the Phillies, to use, I think it was Ron Darling's um, quote, a buzzsaw. The Phillies have been a buzzsaw with their crowd, with their bats, with their arms. And the Philadelphia fan base, and this is what's so amazing, has been a co-star of this show. We are getting positive publicity as a fan base. No one is sitting down. One of the other things they said on the broadcast is Citizens Bank Park. Citizens Bank Park is the only stadium that doesn't need seats. Because no one's sitting down. Everyone's just enjoying every second. They're, they're standing up. They're waiting for that explosion. And when you have an offense like this hitting bombs, man, it is incredible. And you don't get that really as much in any other sport as you get it with baseball. Because the crowd is always in the shot. Home plate, you're getting that shot from behind the pitcher. You see the home plate uh, crowd right there. Maybe in basketball you get a little bit of this, but in baseball you see it more than any other sport. The batters in the batter's box, they have the head-on shot of them. You see the crowd behind them. You see the ball, you see the bat swing through the zone. Ball goes flying out of the park. Everyone jumps up and down. It's such a great atmosphere that comes through the TV. Talk about the word palpable. Oh man, you feel that crowd, man. You feel you. I feel like I'm 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 getting ready to do post game, and I feel like I'm cold in the stands with everybody else in South Philly at CBP, man. So I can't wait to see what they do tonight. It looks like they have this series already well in hand. Yeah, and you're right about putting Philadelphia in a good light. Even these national broadcasters on TBS are just in awe of this Philadelphia crowd. You can hear it when they're talking to each other. And the one guy said, I forget who it was, who said, uh, you know, we couldn't wait for you to get here because the other guy wasn't at the divisional series and just saw what this Philadelphia Phillies 
fan base is doing. It's it's mm-hmm. awesome. And, and you mentioned Schwarber tying Reggie Jackson for most home runs by a left-handed batter in postseason history. The crazier thing to me is that Schwarber's done it in 59 games, and it took <laughs> Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, 77 games to do it. And he's got a nickname like Mr. October. And yeah. what Schwarber's done is just un- unbelievable. And, yeah, you look how many records they're setting every single night, man. But one thing is we talk about the home field advantage, and I was talking about this yesterday on the show. Citizens Bank Park, obviously number one. They're 6-0 and this postseason. Since 04, they have a 718 winning percentage. But you look at the Arizona Diamondbacks at Chase Field, they've been really good in the postseason at home. 636 winning percentage. Number four, I think, in Major League Baseball history. But then they're selling tickets for like seven bucks to get into that stadium. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I, I was w- willing to give the Arizona fans like the benefit of the doubt said, oh, okay, maybe they're going to be pretty good too. Seven bucks and you can go to that game tonight in Arizona? It's actually probably cheaper to get on an airplane, fly to Arizona, and go to the game there than it is to try to get tickets at the bank. A good seat at Citizens Bank Park is a round trip, including ticket to the game in Arizona. Think, think about that for a second. Arizona doesn't give a damn, man. Arizona doesn't give a damn. Philadelphia? Oh, they give several dams. A lot of dams, as a matter of fact. Uh I am waiting for Kyle Schwarber to step into the batter's box for the first pitch and hear the oohs and ahs from the crowd, from Philadelphia fans, like you do here in Philadelphia. I am expecting a home game away from home. Like we've heard it so many times in football, like we have heard it with the Phillies in years past when we used to call Nationals Park, Citizens Bank Park South. I can't wait for that moment tonight. And if the Phillies get on the board first, if Kyle Schwarber leads off with another home run to start the game, Oh, man, I can't wait for the rumble of the Philadelphia faithful out there in Arizona basking in the sun, not at the game, of course, because they got a roof, but um, just exploding with excitement. I think this is going to be another home away from home game uh, for the Philadelphia. And think about this. Games in Arizona, Super Bowl, of course, including the Super Bowl, Philadelphia fans flock to Arizona. They'll take over that state. I remember the NFC Championship game after the 2008 season, the 2009 year, where the Eagles went out there to Arizona, and you could hear a hell of a lot of Eagles fans in the stands. Philly loves going to Arizona. This is going to be no exception tonight. I think it's going to be a home away from home game for the Phils. Oh, and one more thing. Phillies won three games out of four there in June, and Ranger Suarez was one of the starting pitchers. Went seven scoreless against them in his best start of the year. He's going to get another opportunity to do it tonight. Yeah, you reminded me of that. 08 NFC Championship game, man. I thought the Eagles had that one. I thought they had. I had Todd Herman's on my show last week. We were, talking <laughs> about, we were talking about that game. He thought they had it too. But you mentioned Ranger Suarez. What do you expect from Ranger tonight? More of what we've seen this postseason because he's been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball this whole postseason. So the Diamondbacks are great at home, as you mentioned, and they hit a lot of home runs at home. This reminds me tenfold of what Ranger Suarez was charged to do against the Atlanta Braves. Best home run hitting team in baseball. Uh, Rob Thompson made a great decision to start out a pitcher that is uh, a little bit more of an off-speed pitcher, is an off-speed pitcher in Ranger Suarez. So for me, watching him tonight, I'm expecting a classic Ranger Suarez performance with the changeup working, the uh, the curveball dropping in beautifully, that great 12-6 curveball that he drops in. And I expect him to be a guy that will be able to give you 
probably in the range of five to six innings again with the day off yesterday. With the day off yesterday, they'll have the bullpen fresh and ready to go. But I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Thompson just decides to unleash the hounds and let Ranger Suarez go out there for maybe six, seven innings, depending on what his pitch count is. I think he goes out there and has himself another stellar performance. I think he has these guys pressing. The fact that they haven't been aggressive on the base pads is mind-boggling to me, especially when you're looking at a guy like Corbin Carroll. So now you have an instance where they're coming off a shutout. A great offense has not looked anything close to the great offense that they had been in the postseason prior. So you're going to have guys at the plate pressing, looking to tee off on fastballs. I don't know if they're going to have the patience to wait on that curveball or wait on that changeup. So I think Ranger Suarez is a perfect guy to have to start in this instance, especially when you go from a power pitcher like uh, Zach Wheeler to guys coming out of the bullpen like uh, Nolan, uh, um, Jose Alvarado and also having guys coming into the bullpen like, like uh, Craig Kimbrell or Matt Strom or even uh, Orion Kirkering. Having those guys come in there that can throw some heat is a great sign to switch it up with a guy like Ranger Suarez starting in this outing today. So I think it's a, a great move to have Ranger go today uh, against um, Fought. Brandon Fought is how you pronounce that, uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm expecting a great start from Ranger tonight. Yeah, and, and Brandon Fought, rookie, only been in Major League Baseball for five months, and now he's got to come out against this Phillies lineup who is just white hot, right? Yeah. Hotter yeah. than red hot, white hot right now, but – Awesome, Farzee. So before I let you run, I kept you a little longer. But prediction, does this series come back to Citizens Bank Park or do they close it up in Arizona? Other than feeling like it's going to be back in Citizens Bank Park with the Philly fan takeover out there, uh, no, it does not physically come back. Uh, the next game at Citizens Bank Park will be the World Series. Love it, Farzee. Well, appreciate your time, my man. I am back at Ocean Casino with you on Sunday. Can't wait, man. Bring your boxing gloves if it gets like last week, man. Oh, man, it's <laughs> going to be a crazy one. It's going to be a crazy post-game show. Looking forward to it, brother. Appreciate hey, you. Take it easy. And that's our man, Farzee. Always a pleasure to have Farzee on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Loves his fight and fills, man. He loves his fight and fills. So we won't have to wait too long for the Phillies game tonight. Five o'clock start. But one thing I didn't mention at the beginning of the show, a little sad news today. Paulie from the Rocky movies passed away at the age of 83. Burt Young, great actor, one of my favorite characters of all time, Paulie in the Rocky movies. If you guys are here in the chat, let's hear it for Paulie, Burt Young. Also, if you were a Sopranos fan, he had a nice small role in the Sopranos playing Bobby Bacala's father. And he did a really nice job in that role as well. But uh, the real zeal said, got to be honest, thought he was already dead. Come on, the real zeal. But one of my favorite quotes from Paulie in the Rocky movies is when he's there with, with Rocky in the, the meat freezer. And he says, if you do that to Apollo Creed, they're going to put us in jail for murder. Love that. Love when Adrian doesn't want to go out with Rocky. And he says, you want the bird? Go out in the alley and eat the bird. So Paulie was one of the great supporting actors of that movie. Yeah, Paulie, I don't sweat you. Who did he say that to? Clubber Lang? Steve Patton? Was that the Clubber Lang? I don't sweat you. But Paulie was an awesome, awesome character in every Rocky. But, yeah, he, unfortunately, he passes away. And the guys, like we end every single show, a little bit of today in sports, and this one, very topical for our fight and fills. 14 years ago, Jimmy Rollins 
hit his walk-off two-RBI double in the ninth inning to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers with two outs, down by one, J-roll, two-run double, walk-off, win the game in the bottom of the ninth. That was awesome, 14 years ago. But he said it to Apollo in Rocky Three. Gotcha. I knew it was Rocky Three, but I thought he said it to Clubber Lang, but he says it to Apollo in Rocky Three. Sports on 88. Rocky was the greatest sports movie ever. I do not disagree. <laughs> JM, classic alcoholic abusive uncle. Sports on 88. J-Roll was clutch. Yes, he was. M. Reyes, that graveyard scene in Balboa hit hard. He killed that scene. Yeah, that was a sad scene, man. But what do you guys think? we got like one minute left. You into the Creed movies as much as you were into Rocky? I try to get into the Creed movies, man. I just try to consume as much Rocky as I can because I just loved that whole franchise. And I enjoy the Creed movies, but there's just something missing. They're just not as good as those Rocky movies were, especially one and two were just phenomenal, phenomenal movies. But guys, as always, I really appreciate all of you in the chat. Appreciate all of you guys watching. Before you leave, hit that like button, hit that share button, and I will be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We'll be talking about the fight and fills, hopefully with another big win, and we're going to be joined by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to talk a little bit about our Eagles-Miami Dolphins on Sunday night. Appreciate you guys. Talk soon. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.